it's a popular trend that people start listening to podcasts and they watch webcasts. How do you digest information? So our uh, latest solution, InSpot, actually helps the listeners or the viewers to quickly jot down the ideas based on the episodes. And you could actually have a tool that allows you to take quick notes so that you don't have to listen to the entire episode over again to identify the valuable information. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of great things happening in the company. And we're just very happy. Um, you know, every day we're motivated to come into work and because we believe we're, you know, in order for us to make the change, we must be the change that we want to make. And we're making that change. This is Startup Island Taiwan. Everything about Taiwan and cutting edge technology, startup unicorns and connections to the world. Welcome to the Startup Island Taiwan podcast. My name is John, your host today. I'm the founder of the Asianometry YouTube channel. And I'm here with Wei Chung Wang with uh, Kaydan. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Wei Chung is the co-founder of Kaydan in Tainan. That's kind of really interesting to me. So I got a lot. I want to talk to you a little about that. But first, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, like John said, well, I am currently the head of marketing and, uh, you know, I co-founded a company with a bunch of great guys. Um, Kenny, Sue, we've worked very closely together ever since the inception of the company. And there is, um, you know, we have an engineering lead, Erwin and uh, Chris, who is currently our uh, VP for design. And we just work very well together. You know, about 12 years ago, we got together and Kenny has some great ideas and uh, we decided to give it a go. And here we are. Really? It was that simple. That's the founding story of KDAN, right? Well, it's actually not that simple, but I try to make it simple. For you. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what it was is that, you know, obviously Apple revolutionized the software space, right? So if you look at the KDAN history, especially in the beginning, we grew with Apple. So if I may bore you with a little bit of a kind of a history in the recent mobile technology, Apple didn't have its first iPhone until 2007. And then the ecological system that they offer at the time completely changed the landscape of software industry. So they created this thing called App Store. At the time, people were like scratching their heads, trying to understand what's going on. Because remember, at the time, people were fascinated about BlackBerry. Right. And I think the current generation probably doesn't even understand and know what BlackBerry really is. And as a matter of fact, I drove by the headquarters of BlackBerry in Orange County, Southern California on a daily basis. So uh, long story short, the app store uh, created by Apple gave the software developer a unique opportunity to cut in because software industry has long been described as a very high entry barrier because of the development cost of the software solutions and uh, you know all these big giants in the market. And for newbies like us, if you want to cut into the space, you not only have to find a way to swallow the development cost. I mean, the most difficult part is to identify the platform and venue to distribute the solutions. And App Store actually took care of that. So in 2010, I believe, Kenny, the founder of the company, was able to come up with some um, PDF solutions and cater to the needs of the mobile platform. Uh, when he developed that solution, he immediately realized that, especially coming from the Asian perspective, providing solution may be just the first step. I mean, if you want your solution to be used and adapted by you know, a wider audience, you need to really take care of the design and the marketing side of things. So right off the bat, he wanted to look for somebody that understands the Western market and also have a comprehensive understanding of 
the Eastern culture uh, so that he could communicate with the person. And through a very interesting conversation, a mutual connection just put us together. We just hit it off from the get-go. So right there, he was like, you know, do you want to help me with the marketing side of things? And I was like, you know, I was holding back a little bit because at the time I lived in the United States, I was, am still a college professor. And, uh, you know, I thought, yeah, this is a very interesting entrepreneurial endeavor, but I wanted to take a look at, you know, who do you got on your team? Right. And that was when I got to know Erwin, our engineering lead, Chris, our design lead. Um, it turns out this is probably the best team that I've ever worked with ever in my entire career. So what does KDAN do? What products do they offer? Uh, in short, we're a global software as a service company. Um, now, SaaS was only recently defined, actually. So we started out, uh, like I said, as a mobile application, software application developer, and then we pivoted along the way. As App Store started evolving, we evolved as well. And uh, our goal is to just empower modern professionals to optimize their efficiency and really cultivate creativity in the evolving digital workplace. So in the very beginning, we developed this PDF mobile solutions. And PDF, in a lot of people's minds, they always connect PDF with Adobe. Yeah. And it turns out PDF is actually not Adobe's proprietary technology. Oh, really? When, yeah, Adobe obviously has been dominating the desktop space. And Adobe didn't have the mobile PDF solution until, I think, 2012, which was, what, two years after we had it? And so we started from the mobile platform, and then we kind of evolved ourselves into this cross-platform solution provider focusing on productivity and creative solutions. And our clientele spans from business professionals, creative professionals, and educators. And really, the entry point to use our product is much lower than if you were to use, for example, Adobe products or Microsoft products, because not only they are more costly, there's a learning curve. And, and we try to do away with that because starting with kind of like the mobile mindset, you have a smaller landscape in the screen, be that iPad or iPhone or Android phone. The landscape is by its nature limited. And we try to make sure that we focus on the user interface and user experience and so I think right from the get-go, I got to credit Kenny for this because Kenny immediately identified the need and the critical importance to have experts in user experience and user interface and marketing. Um, so even right now, I mean, you look at our website, you probably wouldn't have guessed that this company is based in Taiwan because we have that Western mindset and which explains and justifies the majority of our users actually come from English-speaking countries in particular. So how would you describe KDAN's customers? Like, what are they looking for? What are they interested in? What are they usually doing when they use an app, like a PDF solutions app from KDAN? So really, it's the operational efficiency, right? So majority of our users, especially, you know, um, and I got to talk a little bit more about the recent service that we launched that has been super popular. Uh, that is the electronic signature services. So in 2018, we launched that. And this is really built upon our promises to our professional users. And you asked the question of how would I describe the kind of like the typical or ideal customer profile? I would say it's the business users, the creative professionals that don't want to be limited by just the desktop or the computers. When their creativity arrives, when they're taking the subway, they want to be able to have a tool to jot down their whatever ideas that they have. When the business user is taking a train ride and when the contract arrives, he wants to be able to annotate, edit the contract and sign the contract and then send it out and onward. 
So it's that kind of mindset, right? And then, you know, obviously in the past 12 years, we have done a lot to bring that seamless experience across platforms. So we're at the point where all of our tools, you could find them in Mac OS as well as Windows operating system, so on and so forth. That actually gives the flexibility to users to say, you know, I want to stay in Cadence ecological system because whatever I do on the mobile devices, I go back home, I could continue working on. So tell me a little bit about this uh, signature service, this e-signature service you mentioned. Right. So the e-signature service is we are not, you know, the only one that does it. And I got to tell you that it's going to sound really wrong, but the pandemic really helped us grow, right? Because, you know, people were looking for contactless solutions, uh, to continue their whatever business endeavors. You know, even when we were in the lockdown, you still need to get your contracts signed. And so you resort to, you know, any business user at the time will resort to, you know, electronic signature services to really carry out their business tasks because life needs to go on. So it was kind of like a coincidence. Obviously, when we developed this electronic signature services, we didn't know that the pandemic would take place. So in 2018, you know, we look at our product offerings and we thought, you know what? We have all these business users and all these business users are looking for this one thing to enhance their operational efficiency. That is, how do they effectively sign whatever documents they need to get signed? And it was then we realized, especially the paper heavy industries, for example, accounting, legal, you name it, right? They all have these needs. So we, based on the PDF technology that we have, we developed this electronic signature services. And we are focusing particularly on small to mid-sized enterprises because cost is a very important thing, especially, you know, during the downturn right now, as you probably know, the global economy is, um, there's a lot of uncertainty. Let's just put it that way. And so a lot of companies and a lot of users that we have been in touch with have relayed to us that they're concerned about not being able to you know, budget for tools and electronic signature service being one of the pretty important tools that they are looking for. So we come in the right time. So during this time, uh, you know, after we develop the service, we try to pivot, right? Because in the first, I would say seven, eight years, we were mainly focusing on the kind of like the B2C market. We cater to the needs to the end users. And right now we're shifting the focus to focus on enterprise users. And what was kind of like the decision behind that sort of shift? Seems like a pretty big move. Right. So this is not to say that we're giving up the B2C market. As a matter of fact, our solutions still have been pretty popular in other platforms that you could see. So I wouldn't even characterize it as a pivot because we just identified the need. And we feel very strongly that if we don't grab that opportunity, it'll be a shame. Because now we know our solutions have been received pretty well by all these end users and they have business affiliations, right? So why not create something that their companies would appreciate? And so that for their companies and their enterprises to procure the solution on their behalf. So that's kind of like the mindset. How do between you and the rest of the team sort of come to a decision that's like, is it kind of like a vote or do you kind of like just not all of you guys are in the same location, right? So what's the challenges with that? It's very interesting that you mentioned that. And I was actually going to say that uh, I have never worked full time in Cadence headquarters. Although, you know, before the pandemic, I travel very frequently. So right now I oversee probably 25 to 30 people in my department. But I've never spent like I want to say two full days with them in the same location. Things have always been done remotely. So when the pandemic hit, I was kind of like... Uh, laughing at the whole situation because when everybody is trying to adapt to the new norm, we have been 
doing remote working from the get-go. My team has been pretty familiar with the situation. So when the pandemic hit, I think we transitioned pretty well because nothing has really changed. Uh, Talking about communication, it was just very natural. So we understand the needs because we stay very close with our users. Our customer support team serve our customers very well. So we understand what the pain points are. So it was just very natural that we took on the task to develop this signature service. And I'm just glad that it paid off. So this might also apply to the e-signature service, but also to other apps within KDAN's kind of lineup. But like, why do they pick KDAN over other alternatives, right? I think if you were to Google or to just do a search for a particular PDF solutions app, you'll find a dozen, right? So what do you think helps KDAN stay ahead of all the others? Why do they choose KDAN over the alternatives? I want to say that we position the product to be the solution that helps with the core functionality that people are looking for. Was this Steve Jobs that talked about how less is more, right? So when they were trying to develop solutions, they always wanted to just focus on the core functionality. If you browse through the electronic signature solutions in the marketplace, most of them just have too many bells and whistles. And this is not to say that we don't have bells and whistles. Obviously, we have a lot of packages. But at the core of it, you know, the majority of the small to mid-sized enterprise users, they're looking for just the core functionality. Some of the clients that we work with wouldn't be of interest by Adobe or DocuSign, for example. Right. Because if you look at the financial reports as an academically trained economist, I would tell you that, you know, obviously I look at their financial reports on a pretty regular basis. And if you look at their financial reports, they often talk about, you know, the big clients. They often talk about the big guys in the marketplace because they rely on those big guys to feed them with hefty subscription fees as well as, you know, heavy integration infrastructure costs. We don't do that. We have everything that I described, like API, SDK. But at the end of the day, we want to focus on the core functionality because at the end of the day, again, it's the cost-effective solutions that people really want. So a lot of people that switch to us, yes, from the beginning, they were attracted to our solution simply because they get to save a lot of cost. But, you know, just through maybe one, two months, they realize, well, you know what? This is all that I need. And if I want more, they are confident that the KDAN team is going to cater to their needs by not charging them an arm and a leg, which obviously in the Western market is very different, which is also why when we push the concept especially in the Western market, we receive a lot of praises from the uh, small to mid-sized business owners. What platforms are you guys bring your services on? Obviously, you mentioned iOS. Is there Android? Is there kind of a desktop? Everything. So Android, Mac OS, Windows, um, you name it, we have it. So there's a Mac OS desktop app. There's Mac OS desktop app. And quite honestly, like, for example, the electronic signature service, you don't even have to install the app. It's web-based. So there is a lot of good things that are happening right now. And um, e-signature service is not the only service that we have. So we're really proud of the fact that, you know, we've evolved to a point where we could call ourselves a full-fledged software as a service provider. So what other services do you provide other than e-signature and PDF solutions? So um, we have this product called Animation Desk that actually helps creative professionals to do storyboarding on the mobile device. You know, we borrow the name because the traditional animation desk is like the 2D based. The animations that you're seeing right now on Disney Channel, they're 3D. But the best animated ideas oftentimes originate from the 2D. And we are very happy that uh, our product animation desk received much praise from the professional animators. 
And to a point, we're just actually talking about a sponsorship deal with this company trying to promote animation making so that the professional animators could focus more stories on disadvantaged groups in the United States, including minorities. And we're just happy to sponsor that event because, you know, people take a look at all these tool providers and they identify us, right? So Animation Desk is a big one. Knowledge is a note-taking solution that has also received a lot of positive feedback from the marketplace. We also have this thing called InSpot. You know, obviously we're podcasting right now. And it's a popular trend that people start listening to podcasts and they watch webcasts. How do you digest information? So our uh, latest solution, InSpot, actually helps the listeners or the viewers to quickly jot down the ideas based on the episodes. And you could actually have a tool that allows you to take quick notes so that you don't have to listen to the entire episode over again to identify the valuable information. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of great things happening in the company. And we're just very happy. Um, you know, every day we're motivated to come into work and because we believe we're, you know, in order for us to make the change, we must be the change that we want to make. And we're making that change. Being there from sort of the very beginning, like when did you first realize that the company kind of really had something special going on? Like when did you first see that inflection point or that sort of snap? I got to tell you, though, me personally, I'm mission driven. So I bought into the idea of, you know, making something great to enhance productivity, making something great to enhance operational efficiency. I bought into that pretty early on and I try to practice what I preach. Right. So along the way, I've been trying to recruit people with similar beliefs and happy to report that the general turnover rate in the company, especially in my team, has been pretty low. I mean, we have people with us for seven, eight years, and they just, um, you know, stick with us for a reason, because they like what they do, and they appreciate the vision and the mission that we created. So to answer your question, that's why, right? So we're mission-driven, and we wanted to make sure that we always are contributing to, especially the workforce. One of the first reasons, you know, K-Dan caught my eye was because you're headquartered in Tainan, which is where my grandma is from, and also kind of the South. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a startup capital, right? What are some of these advantages, disadvantages of KDAM being there? Can you talk a little bit about that? I got to tell you, though, I was born and raised in Kaohsiung. And the uh, Irwin, Chris, our two other co-founders, they are originally from Tainan, as well as Kenny. And they went to National Chengong University, all three of them. So I'm kind of like the outlier, but I'm also from the South. So when they told me that, you know, they picked this location, they wanted to be in Tainan, I was taken aback, just like you, right? Because myself, I would characterize Tainan as a birthplace of a great technology company. But I guess we defy the odds, right? And I will tell you that we, I want to say that we kind of rise to the occasion because there are a lot of talents that were forced to go to Taipei to look for jobs because they weren't able to find anything appropriate or suitable in the southern part of the country, right? And we rose to the occasion to a point that, you know, recruiting it now is very easy for us because we basically offer these people an opportunity to go home, right? They want to stay close with their family, with the people that they grow up with, their communities, right? So we offered them an opportunity. But like you said, I mean, in the beginning, it was, it was kind of difficult. We had to compete against all these, you know, big companies or renowned companies in Taipei for talents. But I guess because of that, we were able to cultivate a pretty niche group that is super loyal to our company, uh, not only admiring what we do, but really enjoy doing what we do. And they stick around. right? And that provides the much needed stability, especially at the early stage of the company. Now, take me as an example. I have never worked full time in Tainan, 
I've stationed in the United States ever since the beginning of uh, 21st century, I want to say. I've been in the U.S. for a pretty long time. And again, through the coincidence, I got to meet Kenny and the founding team, and we decided to stay together. And because of where I am and what I do as a college professor, I was able to recruit Western talents from America to go to Tainan. Um, so throughout the way, uh, in the past 12 years, I've probably recruited, I don't know, six, seven, seven, eight people, like Americans, to go to Tainan. And then a couple of them return to the United States, and they're still working for the company full time. Seeing it from both perspectives, East and West. What's been the challenges for a company that's come out of Tainan, come out of the South and trying to market to a Western audience? Like there's got to be some sort of big culture clash, right? So what's been sort of the challenges and what's your perspective on that? I like the way that you characterize your question, right? So cultural clash. I mean, I think I don't know whether is it subconsciously or intentionally I've been avoiding having the cultural clash so that if you look at especially the composition of the marketing team, nearly everyone was educated in the West. We actually conduct our weekly business meeting in English because we have Americans on the team, right? Obviously, in the beginning, it was more difficult, right? Because we didn't have the resources to bring on board people of different backgrounds. And which I believe, I think that my Western perspective really helps in that regard because I value diversity. I, I understand that you got to have different ideas, especially if you're running a marketing team. You got to be able to find a way to have that idea influx. And that idea influx is going to be better coming from people of different backgrounds. And obviously, you could define backgrounds in so many different ways. Now, to avoid or intentionally or subconsciously, I try many different things, right? So the one thing that I do is everybody has to be fluent and well-versed in English. And I'm not talking about just the spoken English. I'm talking about the way you write, the way you communicate, the way you, you know, how you express yourself. And we try to, you know, bring the team to participate in trade shows and many events in the West. And this is obviously pre-pandemic time. However, like I said, I respect the diversity. You got to be able to bring something else to the table in addition to the English ability. So because everybody is able to communicate in the same language, so the exchange of ideas, there's no problem. And this is include the engineering team, too. They need to learn English as well. It's kind of interesting because I do notice sometimes in my experiences working with Taiwanese engineers is that maybe their written English is quite good, but sometimes they lack confidence in speaking English, especially with regards to exceptionally technical or maybe complicated things. Well, I personally haven't had that kind of issue because we always, I mean, obviously, I'm, I can't speak on behalf of all engineers in the company. But there are a couple people that are my go-to people. Like they feel very comfortable communicating with uh, our Western audience, which is a blessing. And I could only imagine that if we obviously push this endeavor forward, we got to have some engineering talents on site here in the United States. So you have your marketing team all in the United States or? We have majority of the team members in the marketing team are in Taiwan. And we do have a couple of data analysts that are in the Taipei office that are also under the marketing team umbrella. And right now here in the United States, we have four full-timers, uh, me, myself included. I have um, one other person that's also in Southern California and two other people that are in uh, Pennsylvania. So um, I was actually just talking with them uh, and they're pretty used to the idea of, you know, working remotely, you know, getting on um, meetings with the Taiwanese team because, you know, right now it's pretty late in the East Coast. What do you think uh, Taiwan can, and maybe it's even like a southern city like Tainan, can offer to other tech startups like Kdan? I really think that we have been doing a lot on our own without external help. 
But if you were to ask me kind of like my wish list, right, I would tend to believe that if there is a collective way for us to enhance the exposure of the Taiwanese businesses at the world stage, that would be great. Right. So, for example, can we collectively reduce the cost or try to save on cost for especially the startups coming from Taiwan to attend CES in Las Vegas on a regular basis? I know that people are working on that. I know there have been some initiatives, but I argue we might need more. And I think in a sense that Caden kind of lucks out. Right. We have a pretty international team from the get go. Not many Taiwanese startups could have that kind of privilege and opportunity. Right. And just based on our history, just like you previously mentioned, there were many infliction points along the way. And we got past those infliction points, not because we got the external help. There is certainly a luck component in it. There is certainly, you know, maybe our effort. Right. But we would fare much better if along the way we got some collective help from the government. I mean, I'm not just talking about the capital influx. I mean, that's obviously one important thing. But how do we bridge the Taiwanese startups with the startup communities in the West? Because at the end of the day, your market, the majority of the market or bigger market exists in the West. Just look at the United States. Constantly, consumption accounts for 70% of the GDP in the United States. So this is an economy that consumes and remains to be the largest economy in the world. How do we then cater to the needs of these customers? So what is like Kdan's future kind of roadmap looks like? Like, is that sort of app ecosystem tapped out or is there still growth to be had? Like, talk a little bit about that. So the app market, in my personal humble opinion, has already tapped out. Right. There is an app for everything and anything that you could even imagine. So if we were to launch an app right now without the user base that we had, without the foundation and infrastructure that we have, chances for that app to get the exposure that it deserves would be close to none because there is just so many apps out there, so much competition. When Kaden launched our first app, there were less than a thousand apps in App Store. So it was relatively easier than to gain the exposure, which again, relates back to what kind of collective help that we could get from, for example, the general resources that the Taiwanese society could provide. Now, having said that, uh, we've pivoted along the way and we don't call ourselves an app developer no more. We started out as an app developer that allows us to get the foot in the door and we are a software solution provider at this point. So we create solutions to enhance productivity, to enhance operational efficiency. And that has been the mission and vision that drives us. So that kind of future would be more outside the app system. So more software, more cloud services, I suppose. I personally still believe that software is the future, right? Because everything we do, we talk about AI, we talk about big data. You got to have a venue for those solutions to exist. I mean, you look at a very interesting company in the United States, Palantir. And to this point, I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what they do. And they're very secretive, right? Because they have a lot of contracts with the DOD. But um, at the end of the day, they're a software provider, right? They talked about big data. They talk about all the intelligence that they have. They are a software provider. And you talk about, for example, robots. You talk about self-driving. What is behind it? It is the software, right? So in a sense, I think the software is going to dictate how we live. It's already dictating how we live. And we're just very glad that we are on that trajectory, that it's consistent with how people are living their lives in the modern world. Now, in terms of how we plan to grow and what our roadmap looks like, I want to say that we currently are expanding very heavily in the North American market. 
We're also trying to tap into the Japanese market, and we have some initiatives uh, focusing on Europe as well. But every market has different dynamics, right? So in the U.S., for example, again, take electronic signature service as an example because that's easily comprehensible. I don't have to tell people what e-sign is in the United States because everybody knows. But in Taiwan, in other Asian countries, we have to get over that hurdle, introducing people what e-sign really means. Oh, can I do away with the stamps, for example? I mean, a lot of the Asian cultures, including Japan and Taiwan and China, they use stamps, right? And so that we have to include stamps in our e-sign services so that we could provide that easier transition. And how's the KDAN ecosystem incorporating AI? I'm very curious, like with all this new stuff coming up in AI, like what are you guys doing about that? Artificial intelligence, obviously, from the layman's perspective, I have a layman's perspective, right? It's pattern recognition. It's, you know, leveraging the computing power, you know, machine learning and all that. But you got to have the data. And luckily, we have the data because we have, oh, my goodness, what is the latest number that we have? 200 million users, 200 million downloads, and we have 10 million members worldwide. And a lot of them are actively using our service, accumulating data and documents. You know, we're not talking about just the documents. There are user behavior data. There is sales data all kinds of data that we have, which is why we have right now an eight-person data team housed under marketing. And as a person who holds the PhD in economics, I'll tell you, I'm a big fan on data, right? So with respect to how we incorporate AI, because of the databases that we have, we are privileged to be able to observe you know, how people are using our services and how people are reflecting their work in the documents that they use. And maybe the next wave would be for us to come up with intelligence, not at the individual level, but at the aggregate level, based on the types of documents that people are using without infringing privacy. And there are just so many opportunities and potential that I don't think that I'm allowed to share at this moment. But just to kind of give you a teaser that, you know, if you're sitting on a pile of documents, or if you're sitting on a big database, that's what you should be doing. And we are privileged to be in that position. Wow. Kind of really exciting future. Wei Chang, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and the audience. This is really a fascinating company and also an inspiration, I think, for anyone, any company that coming out of Taiwan, it's like what they're really aspiring to. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to be invited. And uh, if there are more opportunities to talk about more things um, other than just Kaden, I'd be more than happy to be invited again. Well, thank you so much again for jumping on the podcast with us. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.